The following podcast contains spoilers and adult language. We recommend listening after you've already seen the movie in question, but we're not your boss. Do what you like. Brought to you by our patrons at patreon.com slash matineemanatees. If you like what you've heard and like to hear more, consider becoming a patron. Donations start at just $1 a month, and half of all profits after hosting costs go towards actual manatee habitat preservation. Because we figured, you know, why not? Hope you enjoy the show. and has a gun-activated throat-rip protocol and is still less interesting than Bodie. Uh, Kelly Lynch, as every 80s model to spray tan, and Ben Gazzara as a Midwest godfather. It was directed by Rowdy Harrington, whose real name is Rowdy. Uh, He also directed Gladiator, but not that Gladiator, (laughs) a different, less quality Gladiator. And was written by David Lee Henry, who also wrote Eight Million Ways to Die, out for Justice and Roadhouse 2 colon Last Call. <laughs> have you seen that one? Uh, I have not. See, right there, I feel like everything you just said should be on the back of the movie box. Like, if I never heard of Roadhouse, and I grabbed it and looked at the back, I'd be like, well, shit, I'm I'm watching this, obviously. (laughs) We have... We have different takes on this movie. (laughs) Um... It has a 6.5 out of 10 on IMDb, a 38% score on Rotten Tomatoes, but a 66% audience appreciation, and has a 4 out of 
There are 4.5 out of 5 stars on Amazon, which everything under the sun does. And it is a very bad movie. <laughs> Tell me, why do you make me watch this? <laughs> um, it might be the best very bad movie. <laughs> Like, I, I, I don't know how you can watch Roadhouse and not be utterly charmed by how absurd and ridiculous it is. But honestly, the best part is, is Dalton, uh, who is... Patrick Swayze's character is just such he's a, a shameless Mary Sue. And that, to me, is the part that is just absolutely fascinating to watch because it is completely unironic. It is a hundred percent um genuine but it seems like nobody noticed that he's ridiculously good at everything well he's he's Bruce Lee isn't he like he's he's a little tight bodied smaller than he should be does kung fu and it's a philosopher, but can't be Asian because it's the Midwest. I mean, there's that, but he's the pretty city boy, the bad boy, the tough guy, the country guy, the martial arts guy, He's good with animals and old people. <laughs> He's got true. manners. Like, he's just like so obviously someone's wish fulfillment incarnate that it's a little embarrassing to watch because you know that someone's like, oh, this. It would be awesome to be this. <laughs> well, okay. Honestly, my main objection to Roadhouse is that uh, there's no song in it about a roadhouse. I, well, that's that's and there are a bunch. Huh. I'm just saying, like, of, of all the, all the, all the easy to find a bunch of country songs about titles you could choose for your movie, I, Roadhouse keeps not leaning into it. I mean, Roadhouse Blues plays, like, pretty early in the movie. But they never say Roadhouse when the title comes up. Okay, that is, that's true. important. That is, 
That is true. Okay, so it, it is the the plot, and I'll get into details in a minute, but it's basically a western where a bouncer is called in to clean up this town that's under the sway of this mobster who spends all of his time sabotaging all of his own profits. And they need to stop this with comfort. Am I being unfair? Oh, uh, no, no. That's, that's pretty spot on. And okay. I don't... What, what, what about that doesn't appeal? Like, that... That is amazing. I mean, really the best part of this movie is the fact that buildings are being just... Well... Not just destroyed, they're being blown up. Um, a guy drives a monster truck through a car dealership, and the police appear entirely once in the entire movie after like murders and shit happen. They appear just at the very end of the movie after everything. Literally the last, literally the last ninety seconds of the film, right? Yeah. It's the and first police. Who's gonna tell me what happened here? And there's a bunch of dead bodies all around them. The guy who runs the town is just literally covered in gore. And so it's, I, I mean, it's, it's a movie that I would have, that 10-year-old me would have loved. Because you see, there's a monster truck, there's kung fu, there's like 18 horrible rock hard 80s breast implant tits um, there's and you've almost hit on what makes Roadhouse so great is Roadhouse feels like it was written by like a freshman in high school who intended to star as Dalton. <laughs> like, it, it's one of those movies that uh, you, you can find, like, uh, less acclaimed or um, high-profile movies that are basically the same thing where some dude had a camera and convinced people to make a movie with him and he's the starring vehicle and all the girls love him 
He quotes poetry and literature to seem smart. And but he it's doesn't. He just me. knows it. <laughs> but that's the that's the best part about Roadhouse. Is like Roadhouse, like so he's supposedly this philosopher, and he'll have these really kind of clunky and awkward lines um, that are supposed to make him seem like really deep and intelligent. And it's just, it's like, it's kind of uncomfortable because you're like, who wrote that? It's like, you are such an asshole and hey, Wesley, fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) They're the worst action one-liners I've ever heard well, no. I mean, the action one-liners, I do agree. Because that's the one thing that this is sort of lacking in. Is it doesn't have that sort of, like, Arnold Schwarzenegger charisma of, like, when in Predator, when he throws a, a dagger at a dude and impales him on a post and just says, you know, stick around. It doesn't have that where you're just like, ah, shit, that's fantastic. Um, The one-liners when he's fighting are just kind of, they're not even like, groan-worthy bad. They're just kind of like, okay. He just says, go fuck yourself. It doesn't elicit anything. The, the lines that I think are the better lines that stand out from the movie are the ones that have nothing to do with action usually. It's like, when uh, he tells the guy, when the guy says, you know, being called a cocksucker is impersonal, and he's like, no, it's two nouns combined to elicit a prescribed response. <laughs> like, well, I mean, I think we can both agree the best line of this movie is I used to fuck guys like you in prison. <laughs> like, that's the single best takedown I've ever heard. And there's also the one from the bad guy who says something to the effect of, like, I hope you like my trophy room. The only thing missing is your ass. Right, but he he leans into that ass. Yeah, he does. Like, the only thing missing is your ass. (laughs) (laughs) Like, it's a (laughs) hole. So, no, I mean, I support for a lot of reasons. It's got, I think, the first, maybe not the first, it's 1989, but 
one of the least subtle uh, homoromantic heterosexual pairings I've ever seen uh, between, I forget his name, Sam Elliott. It's just Sam Elliott. Yeah. Sam Elliott is himself. Uh, and Patrick Swayze, which is fun. Can you briefly describe for the audience that doesn't know your thing with Roadhouse? You've given nothing but it for Christmas for 20 years or something. What's the... Um... That's... I mean, that's not entirely, entirely true. <laughs> I give it to one person a year. One lucky person a year will get a copy of Roadhouse because everybody should own it. Um... Okay. I... I really appreciate, uh... Good shitty movie or a shitty good movie and Roadhouse it has like the production quality and it has it has it starts out almost like like it's definitely bad it's definitely like a different world uh, just the way everything works is just not reality. But you adjust to it pretty quick. And at first it seems like it's it's got a good pacing and it's moving like it's a regular movie. It's not like a laughably bad movie. And then things start going uh, pretty quickly askew. <laughs> and so it becomes a laughing Yeah! And, I mean, it's definitely crazy out the gates. Like, it's not like, oh yeah, this is gonna be a really good movie. But it, it has a... Um, of just like a classic 80s movie feel to it where you're just like okay everything's a little bit a little bit off and a little bit weird but otherwise it it works and then it slowly starts to get like darker until it just becomes like really dark and like the whole tone of the movie shifts in the last act and that's one of the things that makes Roadhouse so great, is it'll shift between, like, really lighthearted, like, yeah, I'm getting my ass kicked, but whatever, my buddy showed up, and so we're gonna get out of this and beat the shit out of the guys that were beating the shit out of me, and it'll all be fine, um, to like slightly more contemplative Dalton is wrestling with whether or not he's just this killing animal machine and he's got that like 
desire for vengeance just eating away at him at the end and... Oh, he killed like one guy in Minnesota or something, right? Yeah, and that, and that is kind of Everyone like, I know has killed one guy in Minnesota. That's nothing. And that kind of lurks in the background and kind of creeps up every now and then, but it doesn't really pop up until until uh, Sam Elliott's character gets killed. And then he's like, I think that's right after he killed a guy also, like a second time. Yeah, I mean, there's, like we put a spoiler warning in every, uh, every episode and it's always true, but like, this is one where if you hear us describe it, you're still not gonna get why this is such an awful movie and Tony's such a bad person. <laughs> so what, what I need you to do is watch, watch this movie first. Um, this might be more important in this one than any others. So I'm just throwing that at the audience. Well, Roadhouse, it's, Roadhouse is it's one crazy. of those movies that just, like, from scene to scene, it's not necessarily, uh, I wouldn't call it compelling, um, or anything like that. Like, it's kind of a straight fair movie, but it just has these moments throughout that are so baffling and removed from reality that it, it makes it sort of charming. Uh, especially to think that someone thought this was remotely believable. Or it had the same sort of, like, I, you showed this to me the same night I showed you Big Trouble in Little China. Oh, yeah. And I came out of it not sure which one was more believable to me. <laughs> but thinking they were more similar than I thought they would be. Oh. In a couple ways. The, the character interactions, the, the dialogue, uh, between characters is so strange. Like, it has a sort of natural feel at first, but then it usually will end a scene with like a, a weird phrase where someone's trying to be clever. Like when uh, Dalton is talking to his landlord and 
calls him sir, and the guy says, uh, calling me sir is like, uh, an elevator in an outhouse. It just don't belong. Just don't belong. <laughs> it's like, and then we cut to something else. It's like, well, that was that, I guess. Uh, well, I, it I follows this. Sorry, go on. I, I don't know if that was supposed to be funny, but, uh. Alright. It, it, it follows this very strange, and I noticed it maybe half an hour into it, like an a, B, A, B, A, B, unvaried cut sort of pattern. Yeah, absolutely. Where it's like town, bar, town, bar. And at some point, it's town, date, bar, town, date, bar. Or sorry. Town, bar, date, town, bar, date, and then it doesn't deviate from that either. It's very strange. So let's get into it. Is that, are you okay with going scene by scene? Is that yeah, a, that's uh, absolutely. you've heard the podcast before. We're, we're trying to help people sleep. We're going to describe this entire movie. But... We open on this super fancy bandstand place with fancy cars, and we fall a woman's legs and butt for like 15 seconds in the front door. There's a featured band, rich guys looking around, we get close-ups on titties and $100 bills. And then we see Dalton standing around, sort of robotically scanning the room. We hear glass break, but it is never addressed. A fight breaks out after this where a woman stabs money on the table and a man kicks her in, I think, the chair leg, but maybe the groin? Yeah, no, he definitely, like, kicked her. And, like, so right before that, because you can faintly hear before it actually cuts to them, you can actually faintly hear him. Um, I don't remember exactly what he says, but it's something essentially suggesting that they have sex and he's basically offering her money. Um, so he's soliciting, soliciting to her, and that's why she stabs the hundred dollar bill. And then he just fucking kicks her, and it's so 
these are all of these unreasonable reactions. Yeah. Like, I've also never stabbed anyone's pavement for anything. Pretty much, pretty much everyone in the movie, uh, seems like just high school students run amok, and they're, but they're like 40 years old. When everyone in this movie has a knife. Like, yeah, there, there's something almost Mad Maxian about it, because it's, there's just like, it's almost a lawless land because there's zero police presence <laughs> and like everyone's committing assault or sexual assault uh, which is pretty prevalent or soliciting sex for that matter the first scene you know we're seeing this um popular nightclub and the rich guy coming in and it almost seems like a, a like a put together movie that someone put thought into because we're seeing the the rich guy's perspective as he's seeing you know people having a good time spending money and then things get out of hand, but our hero takes care of it. Even when the guy draws a knife and stabs him in the arm. Oh. He... Thing is, the bouncers are already handling it, right? Um... Like, they've already approached the situation then Dalton walks up, and this is the first clue you have that Dalton might be a robot. Because he's glitching a little, because what he says is, I think it's time for you gentlemen to leave. And it's this bizarre inflection that goes, way up and then way down and doesn't match his face at all. Mm. It's his first line in the movie. And it's gotta be intentional. But I don't know why. Yeah, he's... I think it's time for you gentlemen to leave. Well, on the note of being a cyborg, he also, he definitely gets stabbed in the arm and doesn't emote at all. Yeah, because he, because the guy gives up and then he, Dalton turns around so he can get stabbed. And then knives don't harm him. Or, for some reason, guys only aim for the very edges of his silhouette. Because he takes like a two-inch cut on the arm from being stabbed in the back. <laughs> That's a weird thing. Um, 
Once, then how has he handled the how has he handled the situation? Well, so the guy is I believe that's the scene where the guy's like, I've always wanted to fight you, and so he's like, okay, let's take this outside. And so the guy's like, okay, and they go outside, and he just shuts the door and doesn't let the guy back in. So he handled yeah. the situation peacefully, I guess? Um, and then I mean, he's... That's Sorry, go ahead. That's one way of looking at it. Uh, what he does is he tricks them into getting away scot-free with no charges. Oh, yes. How he deals with that step. But in the, in the logic of the movie, it's showing you, you know, he handled the situation without resorting to more violence. Because they're not, the movie's not concerned with police presence, apparently. And then, that cuts to, uh, you know, him sewing himself up and getting the job offer from the rich guy who owns the roadhouse. And that will later transition to Patrick Swayze going to the roadhouse and following his perspective of seeing all the different things that are wrong and introducing small characters in the process. Well, because he... But I, f I feel like you're skipping over some important details that set the scene. <sighs> um, the guy walks in, and Swayze is in a back office stitching up his own fucking arm. Um... The guy asks if he wants to make $130,000 a year as a bouncer. I mathed that out. <laughs> it's $500 a night. In 1989 money, I didn't even do inflation. But in 1989, it's $130,000 a year, which I think is like a quarter million today. To come and be a bouncer, and Dalton's like, no, Sam Elliott is better than me, which is true. But he says he wants him anyway. And then he... Tells his old boss that he's out of there as if he hates him, right in front of his new boss when his old boss comes to check to see if he's alright. Yeah, I did. I, that's one thing I forgot in uh, that I, I didn't remember and I rewatched it and it was like wow he just is like fuck this job right in front of his new employer yeah and it's 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 
it's not good, Swayze. That's not how you make And then I guess I'm not like a car guy. Is his car really nice? Because it just... I know it's like a Mercedes, but just it looks very 80s sedan boxy. Uh, this is an actual question. I'm not being clever. No, this no. Is a nice car. I, I think it's just one of those things. It's like BMWs, at least for a while, were supposedly like really nice cars, but they always look kind of boxy and shitty to me. But they had a certain prestige to them. I, I'm also not a car guy, so I was just like. Okay, but yeah, the impression is supposed to be that he has like a nicer car, but he doesn't take it to the town he's going to work in. Or he doesn't I mean, I think the town he's working in. I think we can both agree the sexiest car ever made is a 1993 Mercury Villager. So, I don't understand why this is such a big deal. Plus, <laughs> the car looks the most like manatee, I think. <laughs> Which is what you go for when you buy a car. That's what I go for. Yeah. The sex appeal. <laughs> he gives the car he drives to his other car in to a random guy on the street who's gonna get arrested the second he tries to drive it because that's not how registration works. Mm-hmm. And then peels out of a parking garage, which I guess what we don't see is him slamming on the brakes a second later to not just eat shit on the pavement. Yes. But, uh, and that's, that, that was the first part of the movie where I, I began to worry a little bit. See, see, we had opposite reactions there because for me that was the point where I was like, yes, this this is going to be gold, clearly, Uh, because that doesn't make any sense. I feel like those first two scenes really tell you how weird this movie is going to be, just in sort of the uh, reality it inhabits, and it it sticks to that, but it, it goes further and further with it as you go through the movie. Like, acts of terrorism, 
are happening <laughs> in this small town and no one is getting involved. We barely see the fire department show up. Well, I mean, we've, we've already been introduced to the fact that this mo- or this world has legendary bouncers <laughs> that people from other states know about. Hey man, if I saw John Taffer in a bar, I'd know him. He's not even a bouncer, though. He's like a... Yeah, he's just a... Uh, bar guy. He's a, he, he's a Gordon Ramsay of alcohol. Yes. Who's <laughs> not? Um, I mean, like, I don't know, of the two of us, I don't know who's spent the most time in bars, but, you know, there was a while in my 20s when I spent you know, a, a solid a couple dozen hours in bars. And <laughs> I don't think uh, I knew even the name of all the bartenders, much less the name of the best bouncer, much less the name of the best bouncer several states over. Um, well, I mean, when the bars are like the ones in Roadhouse, it's, they become that sort of lawless land that they need the bouncers. They're like the sheriffs of the nightlife. I guess that's true. It's just, it's... It seems, well, it's fine. It's very obvious this was supposed to be a story about sheriffs in the Old West, and it was not. <laughs> it's fine. Uh, it's, it's not... Have you seen Tombstone? I have not. I need to. It's also got Sam Elliott in it. It's got the same plot, except in a plausible... You might like it. Okay. I might uh, like it, or I might go... This works too well. We should watch Roadhouse instead. Nah, I don't know. I can almost guarantee you love Tombstone. In fact, stay tuned. I'll try to get you to do an episode of Tombstone. Okay. But, um, so we're, we're taken to the horrible hive of scum and villainy, Jasper, which is the most lawless town in, like, Kansas or Missouri. I'm not sure. It's, uh, it is Missouri, although there is a shot at some point in the movie where you can actually see signs pointing the way to Bakersfield and Los Angeles, because they filmed it mostly in California. There's also so many mountains in the background (laughs) ever (laughs) you've seen. Does it say it's in Missouri? Or is that just a... 
I know he said outside of Kansas City, and that's where I was going on, but I think Kansas City is one of those towns that's got two halves in two different states. Got it. But I don't, it doesn't matter at all. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so it's apparently a really scary town. But it's very clean and quaint, and has a well-lit shopping district downtown, very visible mountains everywhere, and I'm not scared of Jasper. <laughs> the Roadhouse, on the other hand, is also oddly clean and very well put together. The, uh, what's it called? Double Deuce? Double Deuce. It's got a cool-ass blind guitar player who's apparently really a cool-ass blind guitar player who plays in his lap in this style that apparently he kind of invented. Oh. And it's Sam Healy? Sam Healy? Uh, who's Healy? John Hill. I'm actually gonna look that up real quick because I gotta know. Uh, Jeff Healy. Okay. Blind Canadian jazz and blues rock guitarist and vocalist. Died in March 2008. Norman Jeffrey Jeff Healy. So it's actually him. Unless I've got the wrong... No, that's him. Yeah, that's him. Okay. Uh, but in this one, he goes by... What's his name? I honestly have no idea. I don't remember ever being named. Uh, when, when we first meet him through Dalton... I believe Dalton says something to the effect of, uh, you played pretty well for a white guy. And then the blind guy immediately recognizes his voice and him saying that. And it's like, oh, I thought you'd be taller, which is the thing that people keep saying to Dalton throughout the day. <laughs> so it's. They first show us this bar. Dalton parks his car. Someone says something about his car. Whatever. They've got chicken wire around the stage because it's so dangerous. But no one has guns. Everyone just throws beer and knives. Their bouncers throwing a dude out when Dalton arrives, but then once Dalton's inside, every bouncer conspicuously does nothing to show how much a new bouncer is needed. But when he's arriving, the bouncer's doing his job. There's a fight, there's a guy groping a woman, there's bottles thrown on the stage. Everyone has a perm. 
and there's the best pickup line I've ever heard in motion picture history. Oh God, yeah. Which is, let's say you and me get nipple to nipple, which I have never heard before and have never heard since. <laughs> Uh, and Dalton, who has to this point been less than coy about his origins as a robot person, finally shows some emotion as he's planning to sneak up upon a blind man with the help of his trusted friends and bandmates. That's the first time we see him smile. Yeah, that's pretty accurate. He's generally too cool for school. Uh, he's introduced as completely unflappable, even in danger. He's just kind of the... Mary Sue from, from like, page one. I mean, he's a, he's a Terminator, but for some reason, he still manages to suck once Sam Elliott shows up, because Sam Elliott is Sam Elliott in this movie. That's later, though. That's fine. <laughs> Is this one of those, like, $20... Some pimp is demanding $20 to kiss his... Yeah. No, that's... That's the, uh... boobs? The... The... Constant sexual assault? Which makes it pretty uncomfortable, but is also really just baffling. Uh, well, I assume she's working, right? Or no? Um, I'm pretty sure he's not a pimp, even, necessarily. I mean, he's pimping her out, yeah. But the impression uh, I got, anyway, is that they're an item. And because I think there was some mention of, like, how she got implants. I think that's how the conversation with these characters started, is is he sees, the guy sees, he's at a table and he sees these two other guys ogling the woman he's with. And he starts bragging to them, um, I believe, about how attractive she is. And I believe he says that, you know, he spent a lot of money on getting her implants and invites them he invites the guys to come over and feel them. And the, 
the woman is just in church twenty dollars like smiling like yeah yeah that's fine just come on over it is so uncomfortable to watch and then the guys come over and and they're manhandling her, her right there in the middle of the bar and no one says anything and then there's the offer i mean that is what i would do if i had breast implants <laughs> i think uh, i was sort of like yeah everyone come on the the guy who's with her then says I don't know if he says you can kiss them or you can touch them for $20 or something, all you want. And the guy's like, oh, okay, and they start doing it. And then they start laughing while they're fondling her. And the guy, the pimp, says, what's so funny and the guy's like i don't have twenty dollars and a huge bar fight breaks out yeah everyone just starts punching everyone which is fantastic yeah, it's like that kind of like western this. thing i guess uh of just like someone punches someone else and then it's just like Bar fight and everybody's fighting. Which is great, like, hey, after work tonight, you want to go down to Double Deuce and wait around for a fight to start and punch each other? Yeah. Like, I like it. As a, so, yeah, um, this, this is also where. McDonald leaves after the bar is closed, and Jeff Healy, they're asking Jeff Healy who he is, and he says, all I know is fuck with him and he'll steal yeah, your exactly. What? I go to Ren Fairs to me. <laughs> That's all that I'm stuff okay with means. that at all, It's like, what does that mean? He's got a sword. He carries a sword. <laughs> uh, my next note is, alright, the tire lot guy gets best supporting actor, hands down. Sorry, the who? The tire lot guy. He has no lines. He just looks exasperated because Dalton needs like four spare tires. Oh yeah! After he buys his new shitty car, his new awesome car. I like that one better than the one he likes. Oh yeah. Has like has shields over the. the not sunglasses, but 
windshields over the headlights. Yeah. They, they have a, a word that you come down, you can make your headlights blink. I don't know what they're called. Um, car, car sunglasses. He's got. Uh, but they, they do a good job of setting up the car thing because they've made it a point that you can drive two cars per town. You don't know why. Yet. And then he goes to try to find a place and just so happens to pull up to the farmhouse across the stream from a mob boss. Just across the river or whatever that is. Yeah, from just this guy's farm that lives there. Yeah. Uh, And the room for rent is above the farmhouse. There's no security whatsoever. It's a pretty nice place, but... It's definitely open on the entire bottom half. That is true. At the same, I mean, I don't know what inflation is, because uh, what does he charge, like a hundred bucks for this, like... A hundred bucks a month. Really nice bar, uh, barn loft. Really nice barn loft that anyone can get into and often do, though. The, like there's literally no door it's just a 30 foot wide opening to the outside world next door to the mob boss's house that's true and there's the mixed thing there because like honestly I feel like that bar loft was probably pretty safe before Dalton came by. Well, there's some throwaway line later about how like, the horses let him know if someone's coming, but no, they don't. Yeah. I didn't even pick up on that before. The, the horse line that I remembered was the, uh, Oh, do you like horses? And then Dalton says, they like me. Hmm. I have no idea what that means. Um, I think that was just, uh... Because the whole thing is just making him, like, the most perfect at everything he does. And so it's like... Oh, and he's an animal guy. He likes horses. Right. When he gets along really well with the, uh, the, the Santa Claus guy. He was just his elders. Yeah. And then 
another immediate smash cut back to the bar, because this is how this whole movie goes. Like, downtown bar, downtown bar. He goes about firing people, um, stresses customer service. <laughs> That's the whole scene, unless there's something you want to note. Uh, no, I mean, honestly, that's... Working in customer service, I like to... I like to think that this is sort of representational of my life and what it's like in there. It's brutal. But he breaks everything. He only has three rules, and he breaks all of them every time he's on camera. Like, there was, like, this be nice, never fight in the bar. Take it outside, yeah. Take it outside. What's the other one? Maybe that's it. Uh, there's, no, there's three. I think you're missing one before. Be nice. But I will say to his credit, he he does uh, do the be nice thing. Um, he offers the guys people's throats out. Okay. I mean, that's not nice, but that's in the, that's at the end of their fight to the death. Fair After he just blew up, uh, his landlord's home. Like, after they blow up, uh, Red's shop, and then come into the roadhouse for drinks, like, the bartender looks at Dalton like, Should, do you want me to serve him? And Dalton's like, yeah, serve him. And he, the girl dances and strips, and Dalton's just like, You need to come down, please. Like, he, he, he maintains that even though it's really uncomfortable for him. So he embodies the the be nice. Fair enough. His one of his rules is notably take it outside, never fight in the bar. And then all but two fight scenes for the rest of the movie are inside this bar. Yeah. That's pretty Which is fine, but you can also just not stress that. Because clearly the bartender has plenty, or the bar owner has plenty of money for new tables because he's paying <laughs> the bouncer a quarter million a year. <laughs> like, also, every night of fight breaks out and they destroy all the tables and most of the bar. Well, he's basically rebuilding the bar every night. I mean, he's, he's starting a little economy there. There's a carpenter in town who does nothing but supply the double deuce with 
break my furniture. Which just to prevent injuries, like really soft balsa with tables. That sounds like a really cool bar to go to, actually. Like, one where it's like, no, you can start a fight and just break shit. It'd be awesome. Yeah, actually, now that I'm saying it out loud, it's kind of like, no, we don't have any actual glass. We have a bunch of safety glass, we have a bunch of balsa wood furniture, and uh, everything is slightly padded. So, go come here and beat each other up. Uh, we see a single night of Dalton's policies and the poor blonde guy's just trying his darndest to follow them. But there's another guy who's having sex in the storage room and Dalton walks in on him and opens the door and he keeps it up for like 10 seconds. But then he panics and you can see him pull his pants and his underwear on and Dalton notices this guy wears underwear. And that means that this guy's a bad guy and he's gotta go. <sighs> I, I think that's the reasoning. Wait, wait, wait. Which part of this? I'm confused with how you're describing it. There's a guy, he lets uh, some people in without ID. They're like, they give him a Sears card. Yeah. Instead. And then later on, Dalton catches him in a storage room having sex with one of the girls. Yeah. You've got partial nudity for the girl, full nudity for Steve is his name. Okay. Like, he's just, he's naked on camera for a while. But when Dalton startles him you see him pull up in two separate motions his tidy whities and his jeans <laughs> and that means Dalton knows this man wears underwear and I didn't know this yet but in this world wearing underwear means you're evil cause all the good guys don't <laughs> that, so Dalton knows this and he's like hey you who wears underwear you Ooh. gotta go what are you trying <laughs> to hide with that underwear it's like well you're clearly not a, hill, a hero type you might be a villain type cause those are like clean underwear but the best part of that scene is after the guy gets fired, the guy is like, what do you mean I'm fired? And like, really can't believe it. Like, he doesn't understand what he did wrong. 
and he tries to adjust for his like, but I'm on break. Which, to me, is a pretty good reason to not get fired, honestly. Like, he got 15 minutes. That's plenty of time for me <laughs> to go and have sex with someone and come back. Well, you're not running the double deuce, unfortunately for him. That's true. It seems, it seems sudden to me where, like, there's strippers that double deuce sometimes and clearly some sort of prostitution thing going on and the next night he's busting a guy for having sex on his break. I don't know. But I guess she was underage, or at least younger than 21 or something. Yeah. So it's never really explicit. She just is not old enough to be at the bar. Yeah, there's like, is she under 18 or under 21? They never say. Yeah. That's in the director's cut, which I'm hoping to find someday. How long is the director's cut? Hopefully another hour. Make it a full three. (sighs) Okay. Uh, He fires two more people and then breaks his car. And then you get why he always gets a new car when he goes to new places. Smash cut to a random naked pool party next door at the rich guy's house. Dalton reading upstairs and then turning off his lights so that he can creep better. Yeah, no, he's absolutely a voyeur. Apparently. Yeah, and then the very next scene is him in his bed naked where he's been presumably jerking off while watching his neighbors. (laughs) Because, like I knew would happen, someone just walks right in the waitress from the bar. That's right, yeah, she does. Because there's no security whatsoever. And she brought him breakfast, and he gets out of bed naked, and she, like, sighs and moans when she sees his butt. <laughs> Like, literally, uh, after she orgasms looking at his butt, he puts his pants on just so you can see that every time he's fighting from then on, it's just denim rubbing balls. He wears no underpants whatsoever. And then... 
Dalton's a dick about the breakfast she brought him because he doesn't like donuts or something. In scene. Yeah, that's pretty much it. They start setting her up as, like, a character. And that's one of the things, like, the movie, when it starts off, it's a little bit tighter. Like, when he he goes to the roadhouse, everything that they show you is leading up to something. You know, it's Dalton's noticing what people are doing and he's going to fire them. Um, things that he needs to address and fix at the roadhouse. It's a it's a tighter script, and it's and all of it is during all of that. It's introducing characters that'll be there for the rest of the movie for the most part. But shortly after. Shortly after he steps into the roadhouse is where everything just kind of starts meandering. Uh, this this is interesting though. This character, the waitress who he talked to the night before who brings him breakfast is the only female character in the movie whose nipple you don't eventually see. Oh. Actually, yeah, I think you're right. The only one. Because there's only, like, two or three named... uh, There's at least three uh, named female, uh, there's only two or three actresses. Like, it is possible. I might be including the extras. No one in town has wives or anything. Like, everyone in town you see, it, it's, it's men in town and women at the bar who eventually take their tops off. Yeah. And martial artists. That's every character in the movie. (laughs) But no, like, they start setting her up like she's going to be more of a character. Um, But they don't do anything with her. Like, that... Her going to his barn loft, which we don't really know why she's there. She just kind of shows up with breakfast very sweetly. But she's don't... trying to make friends, which yeah. is nice. But... No, like she's. But then one she of the first has an orgasm when she sees his butt. <laughs> Tony, watch that scene. It's oh, so no, weird. I remember. I remember. Uh, 
they also like framed it and tied on it so that uh and then cut to her so the uh, audience could also have an orgasm. Yeah, exactly. So we could share that moment with her, I guess. Um, but we don't really get any more scenes with her. Like, uh, we see her occasionally in the bar, uh, but they don't really do much with her beyond that. Well, she's, she's present in a lot of scenes. Like, she's the only... She's the only woman you see outside in the daylight, except the doctor. Mm-hmm. Uh, she comes out during the monster truck thing, and she comes out during the beer-smashing scene and stuff. I don't know. Yeah. She's kind of just there. She, no, and that's exactly the thing. It's like all the other uh, employees at, um, I mean, not all, but a lot of the ones at the Double Deuce, like, play some role. At least, usually, for the most part, they become villains. And so it's. They're just more goons that Dalton has to fight. Well, there's uh, the there's the kind of there's the kind of fat guy, two blonde guys. And you see them trying their hardest and helping out. Yeah, and by and large, they sort of serve to show like things starting to turn around. Yeah, so well, they, I mean, they like serve a, serve a purpose. She seems like she's going to when she's introduced uh, be like, oh, okay, she's going to be a character because she's like making herself a part of the story right here. Uh, even before she goes into his barn loft, like she approaches him at the bar and tries to get to know him um, before she's sent away to go deliver somebody's drinks. Um, But they set her up like she's going to be a more important character than she ends up being. Like, the story just becomes less focused after that. They kind of, by the end of it, there aren't any important characters except for, like, two. Yeah. Anyway, they're at breakfast. Smash cut to this rich guy who you've seen once before recklessly driving a helicopter. It's now recklessly driving a car down the road intentionally going into both lanes just because he can, because he has so much money he can't be injured. 
I think. He just doesn't care. I, yeah, I mean, just I think it's he just is used to people getting out of his way. So, like, when, you know, he basically is playing chicken with, very casually playing chicken with Dalton, um, he just smiles knowing you're going to move out of my way. Yeah, but he's also... They're going opposite directions, so they almost collide. And this is notable in a couple minutes because nothing in this movie is well thought out. Because then it goes to where Dalton was driving, which is to this guy's car parts store. Because he's trying to buy car parts from a guy named Red. Red talks about how ugly his ex-wife is, and I think we're supposed to like him. Yeah, that was and weird. Then, and then this guy, the, the, the bad driver man, Ben Kazera, walks in the front door so you can know that Red doesn't like him. But he was going 180 degrees away from the place 12 minutes ago. Yeah, that's absolutely right. I actually forgot, I didn't even notice that. I mean, it's, it's nitpicking because this movie is so dumb. But that <laughs> makes it even better. Like, this is one of those movies where it's like, the more problems you notice with it, the better it becomes. Like, let me be clear, Roadhouse is not in any way a good movie. <laughs> it's just a really good, shitty movie. In that it's so bad, it's... It, is like the quintessential so bad is good kind of movie. Um, because it's so bad, I, I, I don't know how you can not be entertained and baffled. Um, oh, I'm, I'm entertained. I just think having seen it twice now is my roadhouse for this lifetime on Earth. <laughs> like, I think I'm good on roadhouse. I think it, it gets better with each viewing, actually. Alright. Uh, Maybe, maybe in a year, I don't know. Maybe in, in 20 years, I'll revisit Roadhouse when it's 50 years old instead of 30. 
Or maybe next Christmas when someone gifts it to you. <sighs> some point I'll watch it as for a third and final time. Um, uh, 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 post like red, don't. You learned that Dalton has cleverly hidden his car right where everyone knows he is, and also that he does Tai Chi. Because we have this scene, which is him, shirtless in slow motion. Or not slow motion, she's moving slowly. Doing Tai Chi by the river, while both his landlord, the old farmer, and his arch nemesis, Ben Gazera, Look on longingly from either side of the river. Uh, and Ben Gazera, just to show how much this guy likes wasting his money and driving things, has driven an ATV up to the river from his house a hundred yards away. To park very conspicuously and watch this guy do Tai Chi. And then the scene just ends. And you go back to the bar. That's the structure of this movie. <laughs> So, if you've never seen Roadhouse, I don't know how you could hear a description of that scene and not go, I gotta see what this is about. Yeah, I also, I feel like, listen, I feel like you might be assuming I'm exaggerating, like reading weird things into this, like, no. No, 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 that's the He scene. does drive his ATV up to the edge of his lawn to stare longingly at Patrick Swayze doing Tai Chi across the river while Patrick Swayze's landlord also stares longingly at Patrick, or Patrick Swayze doing Tai Chi. This is not an exaggeration. Okay, uh, 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 what happens? Back to the bar. The driving guy is also like a liquor shipper. And he's not gonna send booze there anymore because the bartender that Dalton fired during one of his firing sprees was his nephew or something? Yeah. And then 
one of the guys immediately tries to murder Dalton with a fucking dagger? Like this 18 inch, like, medieval blade or something? When he apparently, like, got his job back, too. Like, we're, we're sort of led to think, like, oh, it looks like he's getting hired back on until uh, we're waiting to see what Patrick Swayze has to say about this, but... And before we can find out how they're going to handle this, the guy just pulls out a knife. And it's like, well, you can't work here, man. That's not going to work. It's not like a human knife. It's like a Klingon fucking giant <laughs> knife. <laughs> like, I'm not sure where he was holding it, but it's it's a significant weapon. Dalton's gonna fight all these guys, except that I have a little note here. Dalton's boys, the two good employees, come to help. So you have two extras that you recognize, which are the only two employees. I guess there's three, so it's a big guy. But there's only three employees that haven't been fired who are good bouncers, I think. They come to help, and you get, like, your second of, I think, 15 dick punches in this movie? There's a lot. Yeah, there's a lot of punching dicks. It's, uh, not dicks that punch, but punching the dick. Yeah, specifically punching hunts in the genitals because it's more effective. You also get to see um, another indication that Dalton's a robot and just how fierce a fighter he is. Uh, Dalton punches so fast that his fist goes back in time and bloodies the guy's nose before he hits him. Which is really interesting if you watch this scene. I mean, when you study martial arts that long, there's a lot of weird stuff you can do. It's incredible. Yeah. That's what you get from doing Tai Chi, man. Make their nose bleed before you even touch them. It's just from the intention, from the glare. Well, the thing I like in that scene is that the guy went to the trouble of, like, talking to his uncle, who's the the bad guy, the main arch nemesis. And he went with the driver and, and apparently a lawyer to the roadhouse and it was like, listen, I want my job back. 
Spicy beats the shit off the lawyer, too. Oh, yeah. But even before the violence breaks out, it's like, so he's getting his job back. And he's strong-arming them because his uncle runs the whole town. But then he just pulls out a knife and just starts swinging at Sweezy. Like, it's not even like there's nothing that, like, sets it up. Like, like, Patrick Swayze doesn't say anything that, like, offends him where it's like, alright, now I'm gonna do it. It's like, no, this, you came here for this purpose. You just decided to try and get your job back first. And I don't get, like, the uncle's long-term plan here. Like, he's a mobster, he owns the town, he really wants his nephew to work at the bar? That's it? Like, that's what's going on? I mean, it kind of makes sense for that family. Like, their ambition is, is pretty low. Because if you think about it, like, the... The arch nemesis, the main bad guy, like, is incredibly wealthy, but moved to the smallest town he could find so that he could basically just rule it, just pay off the cops, and apparently he paid off the fire department, which... I don't really know what that means, what that entails. Like, they look the other way when there's a fire? It's, uh... I mean, his his whole scheme, like, he talks about more in detail later, how he's trying to, like, kind of gentrify it, I guess. Mm. But he... The way he makes his money is via protection racket. Like, everyone in town pays him 10% of their stuff so he doesn't send some guys in a fucking monster truck to mess up their business. And then he spends all his time suppressing every business in town. So, like, like he's not going to give liquor to the bar anymore. And he blows up, like, four places by the time the movie's over. And I don't know if 10% of all the business in that town could even buy a house like that. Because it's not a big town. Yeah. Although, land is probably pretty cheap, so fair enough. I don't know the mobster guy's plan, but they beat these guys up. 
Dom manages to get stabbed again. He goes to meet the doctor, and she starts listing his backstory for us because apparently his, like, college degree and psych profile and everything are on his medical file. Exactly. Which she reads out loud to all of her patients. I see who went to uh, Brown University. That's interesting. Like, where did they write that on there? I don't remember that. Say it's under the. Uh, I think it looks last like time. your Twitter handle is. It's it's the shoulder trauma section. I think <laughs> it's the. Where the college degrees go. And then you get you get Swayze's line, pain don't hurt, which is not good. He's the, he's the ultimate ultimate badass. He can just shrug it off. Yeah, but like, ain't got time to bleed was good. Yeah. Pain don't hurt. <laughs> like, that's, that's just a contradiction. That's nothing. Um, I, I think so part of the charm of all this is just those sort of action movie beats that Roadhouse tries to hit and just fails completely and just falls on its face. Just sails right on by. Yeah, but it 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 does it with charisma. I mean, if you say so, man. I mean, or I should say it does so colorfully. It it falls on his face, but it it makes a hell of a show when it does it. We cut back, again, smash cut to the mobster. He also has a monster truck among the vehicles he's pulling house money on. Because his, his little mobster guys are pulling up in the monster truck. I like the fat guy spinners because he's the only one in the crew who doesn't dress like a jackass. Because everyone else in like khakis and tucked in polos and stuff, and there's this one trucker hat guy who weighs 300 pounds as suspenders, and I just see if you want to recognize Bad driver guy just picks one of the guys to beat up to make a point, and then you get more dick punching for a little while. Yeah, that seems really weird, too. 
because... So he picks on the one guy who I think is the lawyer? And he says he's picking on him because he's weak, he's a bleeder, he's a coward. And it's not really clear if that's just something, if he's just picking a guy at random to beat the shit out of to make a point. Or if it's like this guy actually failed him in some way, because they all failed. But it seemed like that lawyer jumped into the fight pretty quick. Uh, I don't remember him taking it any more than anybody else, or like running from the fight. Well, I noticed he he asks which of the group is going to apologize, and the fat guy apologizes right away. And he says he believes him. The lawyer guy apologizes and he says he doesn't believe him. Maybe he's punishing him for not stepping up and taking responsibility quickly or something. It's a weird scene. Yeah. And through all of it, you have the sub-boss just kind of posturing around them. And he's... Yeah, Jimmy. He's, yeah, he's... The, the friend Jimmy. Because he is kind of chewing the scenery and his, his lines pretty much... Every chance he gets, everything he does is sort of entertaining because of how he draws attention to himself. I just like his name is Jimmy, and he's a master of bow, staff, and pistol. So anyway, that mobster guy's just beating up one of his guys. Immediate cut to Red smashed up store. And that's when you learn about uh, Mob Guy's protection racket. And then, second immediate cut to horrible, fake, rock-hard 80s implant boobs. Which is where Sam Elliott works and is being weird in a core of a strip club. Yes, that's so first meet his character officially. And then the movie, I I do admit the movie gets two hundred percent better right around now for another hour or so. So Dalton calls him up to wine, but Sam Elliott's too cool to be whined at. So Dalton just pretends to be cool too, but he fails so bad, Sam Elliott can hear it over the phone. 
that's what happens here. Yeah. It's also kind of a weird scene because the conversation is just sort of stilted and awkward and it doesn't necessarily go anywhere. Like, he doesn't ask for help or advice. He just, like you said, kind of complains. And then, uh, Sam is just like, well, I gotta get the fuck out of this. <laughs> well, this is like a fight happening behind me. It's like, okay, some of us work for a living, so I gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> because you called me at the bar I work at, you jackass. But, uh, there, there's no... There's no ask, uh, asking for advice or for help. The conversation seems kind of aimless. And I mean, it just... It only establishes that they know each other, right? Yeah. Like, and that they have a history together. And the history of doing what they do. Uh, I, th I think it's just here so that when he randomly shows up to fix everything later, it seems less random, but it still yes. is. Yeah. Like, it, it has that sort of feeling almost like it was written after the movie was made and they realized, oh, we actually have to introduce this character before then. Samuel can't literally just ride out of the sunset and fix everything. That's not... Although... They could have done that and just leaned into it, and then implied he's ever real or something. That'd be good. If Sam Elliott is Dalton's like Tyler Durden, the movie gets 200% better right there. I'm into that. Who'd watch that? Uh, alas, they do not. Smash cut back to the bar. <laughs> The waitress is saying, bad driver, mobster guy's girlfriend who's there every night without him is there. She's kind of hitting on Dalton and she walks up and immediately asks him to fuck her. But one of her handlers drags her off. And this is the you're too stupid to have a good time part. Oh, Where yeah. like, yeah. Some guys show up. They're not, like, with the mobsters. They're just random guys, right? Yeah, I think so. No, I, I think they're part of that group. Because they come in... Or maybe it's... No, no, you're right. Sorry. They, uh... 
Dawn picks them out because he notices one of them has a knife, or like a knife in his boot. And so he's like, they can't come in. He's got he's got a boot knife like sticking out of the front of his boot. They put a cartoon gleam on to make sure we could see it. I mean, that's what I do with my knife boot. No, I mean, I would too if I owned such a thing. But I should not. But then he... Like, he's talking shit to the bouncers. He basically came just to fight the bouncers. And then has a casual, like, ear kick. Like, this guy in all denim just sort of walks in. It's like, we're close to kick. We're like, I want to come in. Well, we're just trying to have a good time. Well, that's what I'm trying to do. Try to kick Dalton in the fucking head. Dalton catches his boot fist, or his, his boot knife, at head height and breaks his leg. And they act like this is just how fights start. <laughs> but it's like clearly another actor's leg coming up from the bottom of the screen. Cause, I don't know, it's, it's very strange. Um, well, the great thing, too, is that, so, you know, he drags the guy outside, and that's where they take the fight, and they have it out and beat the shit out of each other, and that's right when the love interest is sort of walking up to the bar and seeing him just out there kicking ass. Yeah, the doctor who described his life via his medical file is there wearing a tablecloth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so her, her interactions with him at this point are entirely... She helps stitch him up after... Oh no, she didn't stitch him up. She took care of him after he got stabbed in the ribs, right? Yeah. Because um, he had to come to the hospital. And... So she... All she knows is this is a violent man who's frequently violent, and then she yeah. sees him doing violence. And he's, he's like, hey, come out to the bar, and I'll... That's really dangerous. You'll probably be sexually assaulted in the first, like, three minutes you're there. Uh, and we'll see if maybe you don't get killed. It'll be great. And we'll have coffee. And she shows up and the first thing she sees walking up, she hasn't even entered the bar yet, <laughs> is this huge fight with like 
10 guys at least, and he just beats the shit out of them. And then, and that's one of his crew, like, he's, yeah, the crew is beginning to be an actual force here, because the same three guys that are always helping him, and now they don't suck. Yes. Not only are they better at customer service, but they've just become better fighters by Tolton being around somehow. But that's one of the things that is so fascinating about Roadhouse, because it it tries to do a kind of genuine romance, but at the same time be a badass action movie. And it doesn't blend those two things really well because then suddenly we go from, you know, this action scene um, of heavy violence to just this genuine, like, two people smiling and just grinning at each other and being flirtatious. Dalton immediately abandons his crew to go smoke in a diner with his physician during his shift. (laughs) That's what happens. (laughs) Like, that's that's what you're describing, not contextual. I don't even know what they say. But they talk for about five seconds, he pays a different guy's tab, and then... Because he's such a good guy, Ben. But then he declares the evening's over and takes her back to the bar they just left. After, like, literally, what, what, like, 45 seconds conversation on screen? Yeah, it's pretty brief. It's, he, he joins her for three swallows of coffee and then fucks off. His car's been smashed again. I don't know why he doesn't just walk to work. This town's like a mile across... And we know that Swayze has crazy eyes before he kisses someone. (laughs) That's what we learned. I did not notice that. Oh, watch the scene. He, He looks like he's about to eat her head before he actually kisses her. It's Again, a cyborg. Oh yeah, he's he doesn't understand human emotions, he doesn't understand human faces. But he also doesn't understand human leisure time. Because we cut to the next day and learn that on Dalton's days off, he enjoys sleeping on his car next to his bedroom. Because that's where the mob guys find him. And it's a a pretty sweet spot. 
No, I mean, I can see reading out there or something. He definitely just is sleeping next to his bed on his car outside. They take him to go see the mobster. His name is Wesley, I guess, but I'm going to call him the mobster from now on. Ben Gazera. Sees his girlfriend's been beat up. Do you even see that woman again? I oh, yeah, because she hasn't stripped in the, in the roadhouse. Right, right, okay. I don't know what her character is for. That's what like, because Roadhouse is a pretty uncomfortable relationship with women all throughout. They're mostly there to be either sexually harassed and assaulted or be the romantic, untouchable love interest. And it's well, they, they set her up as this and uncomfortable. If they heavily implied domestic abuse, like Swayze's can do something about it, but he doesn't. It's just there. No, he even like gets in a jab at her later when she's stripping. Like he basically calls her a dog or a pet. Yeah! Like, shit. He doesn't. He doesn't do anything good. So, mostly this scene just shows that a woman's being beaten and Dalton has no human feelings. This guy, Ben Gazzara has a villain speech that makes no sense because he lists a bunch of stores he's brought to town. He's like bragging about J.C. Penny or something. As you do. And bring J.C. Penny to town. It's like describing how similar he is to Dalton. At this point, it's still not clear why this guy cares about Dalton at all. Like, he's the guy that got his nephew fired from the bar job he was bad at, right? That's all we got so far. I, I think because through the, sort of the course of the movie, there's sort of uh like, he sees Dalton as kind of like a younger version of him, or sees him as like an equal. Like, there's a line at the end where he's like, I thought it'd be really fun to fight you, and I'm like, you thought you thought it would be fun to fight him. Like, even martial arts is just looking at the two of you, he will wipe the floor with you. Well, they establish he's like a weird spear hunter or something, right? 
Like, he's got all these dead animals in his place, mounted on the walls, and a bunch of spears and melee weapons. I don't know if I would say they establish he's a spear hunter so much as he's a rich guy who hunts. And especially in the sort of era they're evoking, there's there's that just sort of collector mentality. Like, yeah, these are all the animals I killed from like a hundred yards away with a rifle. Like, completely removed from danger. And so. Why does he have so many throwing spears? I mean, because they're not just like regular spears, they look like. Uh, hunting paraphernalia. And so that was my assumption. In fairness, he does throw a spear and he's got a pretty good arm. It doesn't do anything, but it's like, oh, that that spear flew. Oh, I thought that's what they were establishing. This guy's like a crazy spear hunter for some reason. I don't think so. Would not be, I mean, that's a random weird thing, but just in this movie, it's not that weird a thing. (laughs) Just set up a character who's the spear guy. But the impression, I, I mean, this guy is used to getting everything he wants, and then there's this one person who's causing him trouble, and he's like, well, you're obviously valuable if you can, you know, put a wrench in my machine, so I want you on my side. You should be working for me. And Dolan's like, yeah, then like that. The offer he makes is like, suppose I was running a bar, how much would it take for you to come work for me? Like, it's not even a real job offer. He's like, what if I was a barman? Like, it's... It's a really weird scene. I don't understand it. And Dalton's like, no, I don't like you, and leaves. And that's the whole... You made an enemy for life. Yeah. That's... Taking a long view. And then Smash got back to the bar, and it shows that the Double Deuce is physically evolving into the place that Dalton left in whatever state he was in. Like, it's, it looks different, the sign is different, I think the building layout is a little different. There's neon lights everywhere, and everyone who used to be cool is wearing a tucked-in red polo shirt. That Dalton himself does not have to wear. Yeah, it's starting to resemble more the bar from the beginning, so things are are turning around. 
I guess, even though, like, throughout the movie, there's just constant violence going on there and explosions, so the fact that it's drawing more people is still kind of baffling. Yeah, but just the physical renovations are bizarre. Like, it it was this sort of rural wooden barn feel to it. Now it's becoming more and more like neon and light colored. And it, it's very strange. Like, his presence is corrupting the land. It's a whole thing. <laughs> this is when I first noticed how, like, staccato the pacing of the movie is. Because this is, like, the fifth day in a row we've just had a day scene and come back to the bar. We learned that the mobster is cutting off Keith David's booze supply because Keith David is the bartender and has one line despite having the best voice in Hollywood. Yeah, I think that's the only time we see him, too. No, he's he's in some reaction shots. Okay. But... They don't let him talk. Dalton says, hand me the phone like he's going to do something. But then it cuts the parking lot and he's dished work to go hang out with the doctor again. You have no idea what he did on the phone? Yeah. I oh, this think the implication one. might be that he called, uh, Wade. He called Sam Elliott. Well, except when Sam Elliott shows up, he talks about how he could tell something was wrong on the phone. Oh. Because he loves him. So he, he definitely didn't call to have him come by. I think he called, like, the booze company. He was like, hey, I know they're telling me not to bring booze, but bring booze anyway. This is my plan. <laughs> I'm going to wait outside fight. <laughs> my plan it's is just... Good plan. Just do it. <laughs> They're like, don't do it. What if you did it? Come on. <laughs> like, that's... That's the worst. This is when he's picking up the doctor to go have awkward sex with her. Then we, we have this scene. It's... There have been more uncomfortable scenes for me on TV that I've seen, but not very. Because they awkwardly walk into his bar, he turns on music that's bad, 
She's like, what are you fucking doing? He turns on different music, it's not quite as bad. And then it sort of like slowly follows her around without breaking eye contact while she backs slowly away from him in circles. And then they have awkward, fully clothed, standing, fucking up against a stone chimney for a while. Yeah. And then it cuts to Dalton sitting naked outside of a fully lit window on his roof. So that Ben Gazzara and his landlord can see him. <laughs> and because it, it cuts to the mobster, right? Doesn't it show he's like out there watching them? Well, yeah, that's because Swayze makes the decision to go out onto his roof from the second store and then, like, pose in front of the fully lit window. Yeah. While smoking with his girlfriend. And he already knows that you can see across that river pretty well because he was voyeuristically just watching that whole that whole party a few nights before. Yeah, but like even if he's trying to mess with Ben Gazzara, his landlord's house is twelve feet away. <laughs> like like what did that guy do? He's watching also. This is the natural evolution of him watching him doing uh, Tai Chi, I guess. I don't get it. I don't get anything in this movie. <laughs> they go back to the bar. Someone mentions, I guess the waitress mentions for no... No, 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 the, the musician, uh, Jeff Healy, mentions that the driver mobster has a thing for the doctor. Just for an added whatever for him to have this uh, illogical hate on for Dalton and then never really comes back. And that's the thing that's really funny too because uh, for one thing I don't think the doctor has any interaction with the mob boss that I can remember. No, not really. She like she tells him he's being a dick at the monster truck scene like once. 
and we don't actually see any real spite from the bad guy towards Dalton. It's mostly just, I'm gonna keep fucking with you until you join my side. Or so I'm gonna keep fucking with you until you kill me, because I don't actually have a plan. Yeah. <laughs> like, but like, it, you don't ever get the sense that he's like, that he hates Dalton. It's like the opposite. It's like he wants Dalton to join his crew, and I'm gonna punish you for not joining my crew. Well, because Dalton is Draco's Mary Sue, everyone's in love with him, including the bad guy. Yeah. Like. No one in town doesn't care about Dalton. They all just want him. Everybody heard about him before he came. Wherever he goes. It's a bad movie. It's <laughs> <laughs> a fascinatingly bad movie like the the bad and part of the thing too is because this is like a major studio release and so there's a certain expectation that you know what you're doing when you make a movie and you're putting it out for release, and you're doing it with these big stars, at least Patrick Swayze, and uh, for it to be so scatterbrained uh, and so kind of all over the place, um, especially Tony is really kind of fascinating because it'll alternate between just kind of mindless violence and these kind of darker uh, psychological undertones of revenge and, and trying to like be in control of yourself to like this romantic subplot. No, I get, I get a scientific fascination with the movie. I'll give you that. Like it's definitely a specimen of something. <laughs> <laughs> so suddenly, Sam Elliott blows in on a motorcycle with no helmet and his silver locks just fluttering, feathering beautifully in the wind. And I forgot this guy used to be really sexy. I've seen him too many times in like the last 10 years. <laughs> Dudes show up to smash booze and beat up Dalton who's just like on the loading 
dock, loading bay, what do you call this? A loading bay, I think, works. And, uh, dudes show up and tell the guy whose job is to deliver alcohol, not to deliver alcohol, and Dalton's like, delivered anyway. And then he leaves for a little bit so Dalton can get beat up by four guys. Sam Elliott wanders out, but he's too cool to help right away, so he just watches him get beat up for a while. That was the hoodie's best line. I'm not gonna show you my dick. Is that the <laughs> one? Well, no, it's... Cause the guy goes... What, you wanna fight dick, Liz? And he goes, well, I'm not gonna show you my dick. And then he punches the guy in the dick. Right, which is... It's, so quintessential roadhouse right there. Well, I think that's why he doesn't help for a while, because he needs to wait till his line of perfect cock punch. Because that's how Samuel fights. I also noticed he is the only one in the scene and possibly in the entire movie with an untucked shirt, which might be why he's the best. It's a subtle thing. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I He stands out immediately for being the only guy chill enough, and this is what is chill, Jasper. The only guy chill enough to not shove the ends of his shirt down into his pants before he goes to do crime. That's why he's so good at what he does. It's a secret. So Sam Elliott beats up everyone, and Dalton's like, I had it under control. Sam Elliott's like, I could tell how lame you were over the phone. So he doesn't believe him. <laughs> um, and is at this point Dalton is pleased that his Lord and Master Samuel has come to town and since Samuel is the bouncer that sired him, um, takes him in his car to present to Sam Elliott his girlfriend as an offering he has prepared for him. Near as I can tell. Yeah, it is really uncomfortable because she just kind of walks up to their car window and they don't actually say anything. Except for, I think she says hi to the car, and then we cut to... Well, Sam Elliott looks at Dalton, he's like, I knew it. Yeah. Because that's why Dalton cares about things, because there's... He has a girlfriend. 
which makes him a worse bouncer. Because bouncers are supposed to uh, stalk the night eternally alone. <laughs> Um, and then to, to show the doctor that he's a good guy, Sam Elliott pulls his pants a little ways down to show his pubes and to ascertain that, like, don't worry, he's not wearing underwear. And then he dances with the doctor while Dalton gazes longingly at Sam Elliott for a couple minutes. And that's how this goes. Yep. And my note here just says, if reincarnation is real, I want to come back as Sam Elliott. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and he is completely hitting on the doctor during the whole time. Yeah. And... Yeah, that's pretty much it. That's pretty much it. Well, it's just he's so much more relaxed and more capable than Dalton at everything, including being Dalton's girlfriend's boyfriend, it seems like. Sort of, because he doesn't totally make it to the end. Well, he doesn't try... Well, okay. So, he... Eventually, she has to go to work. Because they've been up for, like, 24 hours. And that's what you want out of your surgeon. Um, <laughs> uh, Dalton's getting tired. She asks if Sam Elliott's tired. He says... I'll get all the sleep I need when I'm dead. Which is a way better line than pain don't hurt. It's much, much better. It's just unfortunate that it'll never happen because Wade Garrett's never going to die. <laughs> so he'll be tired forever. <laughs> Immediately cuts back to the double deuce where the band is playing while Sam Elliott gazes longingly at Dalton. And that's what they're doing now. Um, yeah, is that the scene where everything explodes? Yeah, suddenly there's sirens for the first time. Yeah. And uh, I wrote, holy shit, sirens? There are sirens in this world? Because it's the first sign of any services or police presence whatsoever. But it's just fire trucks. It wasn't even just like... 
regular arson we lit a building on fire like it was a huge explosion yeah but it's not it's not the roadhouse it's reds no. uh which is like just across the parking lot yeah because this town is 400 feet across like it's, yeah but they can all see that Red's place is burning to the ground and exploding from the bar. And do they even do anything? They just go out there and all look at it, then go back into the bar and the mobster's well, there, right? Yeah, so so Dalton's running out to the fire and to try and save Red, and the building just explodes, so it's like, well, fuck that. And I think they find Red outside, so we know he's okay. But then when they go back to the bar, bad guy is there uh, with his blonde babe and his henchmen. And that's when they're like, we want a drink, and the guy, the bartender, looks to Dalton like, do I serve him? And Dalton's like, sure. And then the boss sends the lady, sends the uh, blonde woman to go dance for everybody. Yeah, so he just, he shows up, he just finished blowing a building up, he shows up at the bar to have his girlfriend stripped for everyone at the bar, and what is the plot of this movie, Tony? What is happening? Why is it happening? But see, see that right there, like, that you're asking that question while watching the movie is why you watch the movie. Tony, what is the plot of this movie? Like, that's... That's the point of Roadhouse, is that you watch it going, what the fuck, what happened? What happened in this movie that it became this? Um, that's the part that makes it fascinating and sort of changing. I mean, it's one of those movies just like any, uh, so bad it's good it's an it's arguable it's uh <laughs> so subjective in terms of like whether or not it's so bad it's good or where that line is um but well, I I think I can prove with math this movie is bad so bad it's good is subjective, but well, it is subjective. Yeah, I mean, it's bad. absolutely bad. Like, like there's no real debating that it's a bad movie, but it's. Well, I've heard people. 
Okay, but I mean, you can find people debating anything. Um, like, we're literally debating whether or not the Earth is, is, uh, flat or round. Uh, so, when debating whether or not Roadhouse is a good movie is pretty minor on that list. Uh, but by and large, it's not considered a good movie, but an entertaining and what-the-fuck movie. I'll give it that. Which, to me, it is so what-the-fuck that it's pretty charming. And... Where it succeeds and others fail to be washable repeatedly is it at least has the budget and star power to sort of make something watchable. So it's not just like this is shitty and boring moment to moment. It's you're just kind of scratching your head but still sort of engaged and trying to make sense of it and it keeps rebuffing your efforts. <laughs> well, speaking of my efforts to rebuff or speaking of rebuffing my efforts to understand it, after the mobster guy shows up and has his girlfriend strip on stage so that there's some other characters' nipples we've seen. Yes, this is He the... sends Jimmy out to stand in the middle of the dance floor and <laughs> wave a cue around. Uh, this is arguably the best part of the movie for me. This is one of my favorite uh, scenes when the when the sub boss finally steps up. Because he's going to play a larger role in the rest of the movie. And he's yeah, such a showman. <laughs> we're already at like the hour and a half mark or something, aren't we? Like the movie's almost over at this point. Uh, yeah. Somewhere around there. It's actually a pretty long movie, which I, you would not necessarily expect going in. But you it's... feel it. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I do agree with that because it does kind of go a lot of places. Um, and even rewatching it, I'm just like, Jesus, are we. We still haven't even gotten to this part yet. <laughs> but yeah, seeing some boss. Just suddenly start attacking guys with a 
um, poor ho staff. <laughs> like, this is the scene where he's, he's waving a pool cue around like Donatello. All the bouncers surround him like ninjas in another, I mean, in a lot of 80s martial arts movies. And he beats them all up except for Dalton and Samuel. Then he pole vaults off the fat one to go up on the stage. Yeah. And eventually... At this point, my notes are falling apart. Um, it's just everybody fights. Why is this happening? Why is this happening? Why is this happening? Eventually, the mobster breaks it up by shooting the ceiling. Everybody threatens each other and leaves. Yeah. Well, I think, and the other thing too, so the guy, Jimmy, the sub-boss, is kind of my favorite character throughout the movie, because he's always, his expression is just always funny to me. There's well, it's no, always like a sneer, right? Yeah, it's, it's, but it's always really exaggerated. Um, and that's sort of how he's, how he is throughout the whole movie. Like, he is quintessential 80s bad guy. And he's just always got this, like, mean, he's mean mugging in every frame he's in. <laughs> and always making really dramatic gestures or posturing. Uh, flipping up onto the stage to go, I want you to Sam Elliott. And it's fantastic. It's so over the top. But it's also so genuine. Like, you definitely get the sense that no one thought this was really bad while making it. They were like, nailed it. That's, that's because the everyone who made this was on cocaine for the entire thing. Again, and I can tell. This is the most charming movie. That's why everybody gets a nosebleed regardless of where they're punched. You punch someone the balls, their nose starts bleeding because everyone is on <laughs> Um, We do get a little bit of a fight between Sam Elliott and some boss. And yeah, Samuel holds his own, but he mostly gets his ass kicked. Yeah, well, they've been saying a couple times throughout that 
Sam Elliott's the best, but he's old. Or he's getting old. Yeah. But he's already hurt for something, isn't he? Or he just he gets hurt during it. I don't... I think he just gets hurt in the fight. Because that's like the first time he's really taken any hits. Alright, well, he only hasn't slept for like 36 hours and he's hung over. Yeah. Okay. This is our first introduction to the League of Local Old Men who are all meeting up at Red's house or something to talk about how much they all hate Ben Gazera, but don't want to do anything because of no reason. Yeah. Like, they even mentioned, like, we could talk to cops, like, this the first time they explicitly say that he owns all the cops in town. Yeah, they also One say th- he owns the fire, like, he owns the fire department, I think. Yeah, which is not normally who shuts down mobsters anyway, but fair <laughs> enough. And then they they say that they could talk to one of them that has a cousin who's in the FBI or something, but they say that if they do that, then they might have to testify against him. And they're all afraid that he's gonna send Jimmy to beat them up with the stick. <laughs> so they're not gonna do anything. <laughs> For really no reason. And then we cut to a scene where Ben Gazera's guys are driving monster trucks through car dealership owned by the guy we just met for the first time 45 seconds ago who we're supposed to care about uh, because he's another one of the local men who hates him along with Red and Emmett the landlord and then a bunch of extras. Just, man, can you describe this scene for me? We're on the scene with the monster truck. Yeah, because that's the one that comes immediately after their bunch of old men and Dalton and the doctor are in the house just complaining, right? Yes. So, just to demonstrate that the town is bigger than the roadhouse and the hardware supply store that's across the parking lot. Uh, We have a scene in town at the car dealership, which is run by one of the guys who we literally just met in the previous scene. Yeah, which is... Uh, which is conspicuously bad because he even goes to a car dealership earlier 
and they bypassed the opportunity to introduce this character. So there's two car dealerships in town, and the only one we have any experience with is not the one that is being targeted here. Yeah. Like, they explicitly avoid establishing this character. (laughs) Um, and the thing that's really kind of baffling about it, too, is it's, it's middle of the day. Like, they destroyed... They destroyed Red's place in a, oh, it was arson, or it was an accident, who knows, there was just a fire and then an explosion, and no one's going to investigate. This is middle of the day, crowds have gathered, there's like a hundred people gathered around this building, where the owner saying, please do not destroy my business, and they drive a monster truck through the, the front door and over a bunch of cars. Yep. While this is happening, the mobster is asking the doctor to please send Dalton away. And the movie has completely lost me at this point. Um, like, whatever his motivations are, I no longer know them. And I don't know how much profit he can be skimming off these businesses because he's destroyed like half of Main Street at this point. Oh yeah. That's why I say this movie was written by a freshman in high school who doesn't really have a clear sense of how the world works yet. But saw a few 80s action movies because it feels that way. Like it hits a lot of the 80s movies beats, both the romantic ones and the action ones, and also some of the more character ones, I guess. It hits those beats, it just does it all wrong. And it's like, it's almost like if aliens saw uh, a bunch of uh, movies that uh, we made in the 80s and were like, okay, we'll make something for them so they'll understand us. And they made Roadhouse. (laughs) And it's like... What is this? See, you things eat garbage, right? (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) 
personally find charm in seeing this depiction of, of reality. It's so askew. Um, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Characters don't act in believable ways. Well, the protagonist is just is not necessarily written as likable. Sometimes he is because he's just a generally respectful, respect, a uh, respectful, nice guy. But he also sometimes is just kind of an ass. But everybody knows and loves him, and he's good at all the things. Uh, every opportunity to be the best, or the, or the smartest, or the deepest. Uh, you know, he's good with animals and old people. So he's philosophy, it's literally everything you can throw into this character to make him more appealing. I'll, I'll give it to him, but he he also doesn't do anything. Oh, except just sort of glare at things and then eventually kill everyone. Like, there's not... Yeah, no, let me be clear, like, he's not actually, like, he doesn't come across as, like, an intelligent character. It's a very, it's like a forced writer thing where they basically are telling us, oh, no, he's really smart because he studied philosophy, and uh, he's really deep because he connects with animals because somebody said hey you like horses and he said they like me uh it's these things that you don't necessarily buy but someone uh definitely thought uh this character was amazing. It's the, uh, the, the writer people trying to write smart people thing. Yeah, there's definitely that element of it, but there's also that just sort of naked, like, you definitely get the sense that whoever wrote this there was some sort of wish fulfillment where there where Dalton is sort of the vessel for them to live through. And this is sort of their fantasy where they're just seen as the best at everything by everybody around them. Fair. But he doesn't do anything this scene. He just watches the whole thing happen. That's what makes it so... Oh, yeah. <laughs> Alright. Um, let's see. He, ben Gazer has asked the doctor to convince Dalton to leave. Sam Elliott tries to convince Dalton to leave. 
but Dalton's too busy working out in the barn at this point, right? Yes. This is he's when training he's, for war. Well, he's he's boxing, but yeah, he's, <laughs> he's just running around. He's, he's punching his boxing bag. Punching bag, that's the one. Similarly, tries to convince him to leave Dalton too busy working out. Dalton tries to punch Sam Elliott, but Sam Elliott's too cool to get punched. So he just sort of catches it. Yeah, he is. Sam Elliott leaves, and Dalton embraces and kisses the punching bag tenderly because he can't kiss Sam Elliott. <laughs> That's what happens. He's like, Goodbye, leaves, and then Dalton just sort of holds the punching bag. <laughs> and I assume and this is this is sort of the point where the movie starts to change totally. Because before it was sort of like all the action and violence was really over the top but also underplayed is like no big deal like you could get serious knife wounds and just shrug it off and the focus was more on you know his relationship and trying to turn this place around this is the point where the movie starts to become darker because He's fighting with his mentor, and then the next scene he's fighting with his girlfriend, and he's more detached from everybody and everything. Well, his mentor tells him he's learned a lot from him too, which is kind of nice. This is his last words to him at this point, not actually his last words to him. Which I'll bring back up later, because an interesting thing they're trying to set up for Sam Elliott don't actually finish. But it's kind of nice. The doctor comes over to also convince him to leave. Uh, but he and the doctor aren't actually in love like he is with Sam Elliott, so the scene doesn't have as much weight. Plus, it gets interrupted because Cool Landlord's house explodes right while they're there. Yeah. Which is when, like, a Big explosion, too. Oh, yeah, no, it, it's... It's... Ridiculous. It's everything caps on fire in this movie explodes. As if they've been holding dynamite there. Which maybe they have. But, so... As soon as so the explosion happens, Dalton immediately runs out to save. I want to say his name is Emmett, 
but it's the landlord. Yeah, I think it's him. Yeah, and he pulls him out, and the landlord is completely fine. I mean, a little shaken, but he even says, he's like, Dalton's like, how are you? He's like, I'd be a lot better if you'd get off me. Uh, cut to sub-boss pulling around on his motorcycle cackling maniacally and he can like god damn it he is the best part of this whole movie (laughs) and like and again like the mobster's plan is just to kill everyone but Dalton to rustle Dalton like that's what's going on um, he is the original Joker. <laughs> like, this is where Heath, where Heath Ledger drew his inspiration. But Dalton is a better superhero than Batman because Dalton cannot run a motorcycle. Yes. Because that's what happens next. Well, that's what happens when you're not wearing the bat suit. Yeah, well, and, and this guy, oh, like, he, he probably can't ride effectively because, you know, this guy wears underwear. Yeah, exactly. So it's not, he's not He's as already at a disadvantage. His, his running speed isn't up to, uh, the good guys who don't wear underwear speed. And this guy's wearing jeans where Dalton's wearing sweats, so he can't kick as high as Dalton, and so he loses and Dalton wins. (laughs) I used to fuck guys like you in prison is also better line than pain don't hurt. And this is one of those disappointing things too, because the bad guy has the the big memorable line that everybody remembers in um, Roadhouse, and Dalton's lines are basically "Go fuck yourself." Like, yeah, it, it's it's. A default, uh, I don't have time to be clever, disappointing action hero thing. And, but then, something exciting happens, because after Dalton's won this romantic fight by the moonlight on the beach, <laughs> the, the Jimmy pulls a gun that activates Dalton's throat rip protocol. Because they've been talking about it before, and that's what made him rip out a guy's throat before, is someone pointing a gun at him. Dalton, who has caused enough head trauma to kill seven guys already, if you put it all in one, 
doesn't know a way to kill guys other than ripping their throat out, but as soon as he sees a gun, he has to. So he he pulls out this guy's throat, throws him in the water, yells at Ben Gazera across the stream, and then just goes back to work. (laughs) (laughs) The next scene is back in the double deuce. And the monster calls him up to do the, uh... The the Joker from... Batman Returns. No, Batman Forever thing. It says he's gonna kill one of his friends. He only has time to save one. That's right, yeah. That's also the Joker from Dark Knight thing. Yeah. He does that thing the Joker always does. No, wait, it's... Sorry, it's... It's it's Tommy Lee Jones in Batman Forever. Whatever. But he's gonna but he kill... Did that too in The Dark Knight. Yeah. The, but it's the, it's, it's the Batman the villain thing. Yeah. He's gonna kill either... And Sam Elliott or the Doctor. It's at this point, too, or bef- right before this point, that it gets really interesting because, you know, as you said, we cut from him murdering a guy, or at least in self defense. Um. Uh, but he murders a guy and then just goes back to work the next day. And this is right after there was a huge barn fire explosion. And we see nothing of any police or even um, firefighters show up. Uh, right. Like, the presumably, that, presumably that guy's corpse is still floating in the river. Well, presumably the entire forest burns to the ground at some point because. Because we're actually in California. Yeah. Well, and all of the. Emmett's explosives that he clearly kept in the basement because saying his house on fire may explode would probably exacerbate that whole thing. Yeah. But so, so the guy makes the call and he says, decide who you want to save. Right. And don't... Sorry. Sorry. Go ahead. You go. You go. So, and Dalton can't decide. And so the guy's like, well, I'll tell you what, I'll flip a coin. And he flips, but he doesn't tell him, he doesn't tell him who it is. And then he hangs up. 
And then Sam Elliott immediately just stumbles in. Right? Yeah. Like, super beat up. And looking pretty rough. Yeah, it's... Sam Elliott shows up all beat up because something had happened off screen. Because Sam Elliott's a fantastic actor, but he's not a good enough actor to pretend to lose on camera. <laughs> like, that's, that's not a thing that's known to him, so it has to happen off screen. So... He just acts his heart out and tries to imagine what it would be like if someone lost a fight. <laughs> because he's and it doesn't happen. So, Patrick Swayze, knowing, or Dalton, I switch back and forth, knowing that Sam Elliott uh, is one of two possible targets and is super vulnerable is like stay here alone instead of getting in the passenger seat of my car while I go check on the other person separately. Yeah, it's also kind of strange that there's no one else at the bar. It's the first time we've been at the bar and no one else is there. I mean, presumably everyone else is dead or something, except it turns out they're not. But Yeah. Yeah, this makes very little sense. Like, he's got his crew there. They've always been there. But... Letter. He goes to the hospital, doctor's like, fuck off, and he immediately goes back to work, because he doesn't actually want to keep an eye on either of these people, apparently. And Sam Elliott has been killed off screen. Because Sam Elliott's not a good enough actor to sell being mortal on camera. <laughs> so... <laughs> For us to buy it, it has to be a prop Sam Elliott to bring in and describe the events of. He's been stabbed. Dalton... He makes it a point to make sure to get his fingerprints on the knife. Sorry, were you talking? I couldn't hear you. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, no, oh. so... Kind of just what you were about to say. Like, he... Dramatically takes the knife... Out of, uh... Wade Garrett. Out of Sam Elliott. You think he's going to put that knife to use. I mean, he does, just not in the way that you would expect in a, like, really satisfying revenge way. Well, I think mostly he just wants to make sure that his fingerprints are all over it. Yeah, you want to get that all over the first thing he wants. 
yeah. And as much DNA as possible whenever he's so how how does he use it? Cause this is fun because so this is where the movie I mean it's already kind of been happening but the movie fully changes gears because you have Patrick Swayze crying as he slowly grips the knife and then pulls it out and um this is where it takes kind of a darker turn and becomes more just 80s action movie. Because I think that's when we cut to... cut away from him. And it becomes... the it turns to the goons at the mob boss mansion. Yeah, they're just standing around with shotguns because it's way off. Yeah. Right? And then suddenly, uh, Dalton's car is just charging towards them. They're firing at it. It crashes through the courtyard and explodes. And when they open the driver's side door, they see a knife pressing uh, the pedal to the floor. Yeah, uh, and that's how he used the knife. He didn't put a cinder block on or anything. He stabbed the accelerator to the floor. It's like, I, I guess that works. I guess that's symbolic. No. Is that poetic justice? <laughs> like, it, it was it going for something. They were going for something with a knife, but they didn't really do it. The movie's sort of changes gears at this point because it shifts away from following Dalton to following the bad guys, one in particular, and it becomes like Predator where he's being, they're being hunted by Dalton. Well, he keeps just finding guys who've just been punched to death, I think. But they had all got blood on them, so I assume they were dead. But I guess the, he's on though. It's all just bloody noses, so like he's been going around punching dudes in the face to death. <laughs> like there's no... He hasn't been stabbing him or like using booby traps or anything. He's just been walking up and then pummeling faces till they die. Finally, this mobster sees him like after the old kamikaze decoy car. He sees that while they were shooting the car, Patrick Swayze was actually wearing, near as I can tell, a silk karate yi tucked into jeans? I saw that too, yeah. 
Gion, but he also was wearing blue jeans. But it's like a silk, like, super thin yeah, it's woman's not, bathrobe. Yeah, it's not one you could actually use. It's as a gear. And it's supposed to be a really dramatic scene, but it's really funny, because what's he doing? So yeah, he fights with the guy, and he's all unarmed through this, which is really weird, because he took the knife. He took the, the weapon that you can kill with and used it to uh, set a diversion. But then he, I think it's the same knife that he uses on the, on the two guys, right? Yeah, well he, cause the guy pulls the knife out of the car. Yeah, yeah. Puts it back in his little sheath. And then when the guy finds Dalton, he tries to stab him. Dalton takes the knife from him and stabs him with it. So the second time he has it, he uses it. So what I'm wondering is if what they were trying to imply was that Dalton set an elaborate trap where he's basically offering the knife back and waiting for the guy who owned the knife to take it so he could know who was the one who killed uh, Wade. Oh, but he also kills everyone else, doesn't he? He does. But he's, but that's the only guy that we specifically see him just stab brutally. Right. Well, and suddenly Knives is really effective because yeah. Dalton himself has well, been stabbed yeah. like three times at this point. But. So I think that may be what they were intending for that. It's gotta be, I guess, paying more attention, which uh, by this point in the movie, you're, you're probably not, because it's a weird movie to pay attention to. It, it asks a lot. <laughs> to, <laughs> to, uh, it keeps surprising. Yeah, I mean, you keep saying that like that justifies anything it does. <laughs> <laughs> but you're not wrong. So after he kills that guy, then another guy shows up with a shotgun, he throws a knife, kills that guy. And then I think we cut to the the fat guy who's 
kind of quivering and looking for him in the, the, not the throne room, the, um, the trophy room. Trophy room. Yeah. So he crushes one dude with a uh, taxidermy bear. Which is like 10 feet tall. Well, it's a polar bear. They're huge. I mean, I know they're big, but it seems like a little, uh... It seems like I've seen polar bears in zoos. Maybe they're a lot smaller in zoos. Well, you yeah, haven't seen one, like, standing up full length, I assume. They're... Fair enough. They're huge. It's ridiculous. Okay. There's, like... They're the Great Danes, the Chihuahuas of the California Black Bear. It's, uh... Oh. It's not even the same animal. So, they... So, he knocks the, the polar bear over the guy and then makes the closest thing he has to probably a good quip, which is something like, you're made for each other? Oh, I missed that. Yeah, it's... It's better than go fuck yourself. Yeah, no, it's... it's... One, what was the one he said to Jimmy? Like, you were such an asshole. Or something. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which is also not clever. No, it's, You're not gonna quote that? That's <laughs> super disappointing. And then... Ben Gazzara shows up. And here's the thing where, like, that whole subplot of the doctor, of him being in love with the doctor, just, like, has zero payoff. Because the guy's not even, like, guys, the bad guy's laughing. He's not even all that mad with Dalton, except for Dalton killing all of his goons. Well, and his nephew, who he pretended to care about at the beginning, but cared about enough to get him a job. Yeah. But it seems like he still wants Dalton's approval. He still wants Dalton to join him. It makes no sense. He's doing like the Darth Vader thing where he's following this guy around asking him to come out. Yeah. And offering him jobs and allegiance the whole time. But none of this has been earned by anything in the movie yet. No. Like it's just a... It's just what the villain's supposed to do at this point. Swayze catches a bullet in the shoulder, I guess, so they can have a 
better matched fight? Yeah, this guy is insanely hard for Swayze to kill. Like, this one old man is way tougher than all of his enforcers put together so far, except yeah. for Jimmy. And the only justification they could give you for that is that he catches a bull in the shore, which, I mean, I guess that'll do it. And the guy keeps grabbing weapons, which... We literally only see Dalton use a weapon when he's killing the guy who... Is implied to have killed uh, Wade. That's really the only time. Yeah, I mean the rest of the time he well he wants to punch this guy to death. Except after he's thrown all his spears, this guy pulls out a gun, and Dalton sees the gun and his rip protocols activated except this guy actually deserves it so he doesn't do it was well, because he's grown he's learned to control himself and he doesn't have to go down that dark path he just killed eight times more people than his entire life put together. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, I'm not saying it makes sense. I'm saying that's what we're supposed to get out of it. It's, it's bad. The really comical part is, so, then for no reason at all, the girlfriend shows up. Uh, the doctor. And... Oh, does she? Yeah. No, she walks oh, yeah. in. Huh. Okay. And it doesn't... You don't know why she's there. Like, it doesn't really make any sense. But she walks in just in the moment to see that he didn't kill the guy this time. <laughs> and it's this big moment. And he, like, gets up to go to go to her he's like this is over and he turns away from him because he's that's how he gets stabbed in every other scene so he's like I should give this guy a chance to kill me yeah and the guy <laughs> immediately goes for the gun because that's what the guy is obviously waiting to do but then the League of Old Men has somehow snuck in there. Yeah, they're there they too for some reason. Yeah. And they Julius Caesar him with shotguns. It's <laughs> <laughs> like five foot tall 80 year old man he's, he's like 50 um takes four shotgun shells to die and every old man we've seen so far in the movie is there doing it like the guy who owns the bar is doing it his landlord's doing it 
uh, read from the the stores doing it and the car dealership that I was supposed to care about is doing it. Is there anyone else? Uh, I think that's it. There's only like, yeah. There's so not that every many old man in town. That old man group. Everyone in town is not a martial artist or a naked woman at the bar. Well, and the, the guy who was crushed by the polar bear is also witnessing the whole thing. Because he's watching Astonish and then climbs up. For some reason, they felt they needed to, like, save that character. I don't even think he was named. He's everyone's favorite guy, though. I guess. And then the cops for the first time run in. Yeah, well, you hear sirens for the only second time in the movie, and suddenly cops exist now that someone rich is being murdered. Red gathers up all the guns and puts them, like, behind the couch or something? Yeah. He's gone for like yeah. 10 seconds. He, he, like, he goes to each person and it's just like, go ahead, put your gun on my hand, in my arms. And they all just like stack their shotguns and he just walks away like, I'm just gonna go put these in the hall closet, place yeah, like one pair, and just. He walks away like you think he's leaving the premises. And, like, I assumed that these guys were going to distract the police and he was going to, like, drive away with the guns. But no, once the police show up, he comes back into the room, which 15... Maybe ten seconds have elapsed during this time. Yeah. And it's pretty fantastic because you get... Uh, um, somebody... I don't know who made a 911 call. Like, it's the first time somebody's called 911. Yeah. Um, I mean, granted, there's gunshots and stuff going off, but really probably not that much, and there was a car explosion, but nothing compared to the middle of the night house exploding uh, just the night prior. Well, maybe they're just now arriving for that, because it is the same acreage. I guess. That is, that is a fair point. Um, so you have like a couple, a couple officers and a detective there already, and the the, the detective is like, 
Alright, who's gonna tell me what happened here? He walks in and they do a hard cut from him to the mob boss just laying on a table completely soaked in blood with these huge shotgun wounds. <laughs> and he takes it so casually. Well, and, like, everyone in the room says I didn't see anything, including the, the bad guy who's still alive from the bear. Well, no. Okay, sorry. So this is how the fucking movie ends. The detective's like, Someone tell me what happened here I can't detect. And all the guys are like, I didn't see anything. Except the bad guy, he turns towards the detective, or the detective turns towards him and says, what about you? That guy looks up at a trio of stuffed monkeys doing the see no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil thing. It lingers on that for like three seconds, and he says, A bear fell on me. And everybody laughs in the movie. <laughs> hold on, hold on, because you're missing one of the best beats. So he goes, A polar bear fell on me. And then it cuts to... But, so as soon as he says that, though, it cuts to this, like, rockin' music. Like, like, guitar solo. First, everyone does laugh, though. It's, it's like, at the same time. Like, as soon as he says that line, after that, that's when the music kicks in and it cuts to everybody just like covering their face and trying not to laugh. Yeah. And then... And it's like really upbeat music after this multiple homicide. Well, and then the movie's over, it does that sort of fadeaway thing for the credits, because we do get to see and hear more of this, uh, rad blonde guitarist, Jeff Healy, who's doing the, the outro song, and we have a brief pause to show that Dalton and the Doctor are having sex in the water of dead Jimmy Lake, who's still probably there, 
in front of her uncle. Uh, oh, is that his there? Because I, I noticed there were people all around. Maybe, I mean, probably just in front of the whole town, the way they roll. I don't fucking yeah. know. But, like, they found... There's one body of water with an unrecovered corpse, and like that's the one. <laughs> and and that's it. That's the end of the fucking movie. That's and that's Roadhouse. That's Roadhouse, 1989. Uh, God, I, I mean, I got some thoughts, um, um, we, we've been completely honest with this. What's that? So, go ahead. Uh, if you want to see a movie that, uh... Is so removed from reality that it's it's just really kind of baffling to watch, but continues to entertain with its stupidness. Uh, Roadhouse is for you. Like if you enjoy movies that are really bad for being bad like Roadhouse is it um like it's the same experience I mean we've differed we obviously differ on this but we've also differed I think on The Expendables um I don't think The Expendables (laughs) has the same rewatch value that uh Roadhouse does but like Watching the Expendables in theaters, I laughed harder than I think I've laughed in any other movie in theaters. Uh, like in tears, just because it's so over the top and so silly. Well, I do, I do maintain this is a movie I would have liked when I was a kid. It's got kung fu and monster trucks and boobs. There were some interesting things that didn't really follow through on. Like, Dalton's past trauma could have been a pretty good story beat that never really gave it any time. Uh, Sam Elliott's journey through Dalton towards being kind of less violent was interesting. Well, he has that big speech where he sort of, he shows up and punches people in the dick and then he's trying to get Dalton over his past trauma by saying like, some poison knife, you killed him, that's the whole thing. And then by the end of it, he's saying that he learned a lot from Dalton and that he's just going to leave instead of fighting instead. 
Then of course the nudity becomes less violent and less of a sort of always down to fight guy. He gets murdered, which undercuts that whole thing a bit. Uh, I thought the the weird incestuous relationships of the town that are sort of hinted at via the doctor and Ben Gazzari used to have been together a thing or the relationship with that blonde woman who only strips and gets beaten up might have been interesting but they don't spend any time on it whatsoever yeah and that was one of the things the blonde woman in particular that always felt really strange like because she's introduced like the first time you go into um, the roadhouse and you see her when he go first goes to mob boss's house like she's throughout the whole movie um, and you expect her to have something um, some kind of wrap up to her character I mean not that they ever explore her character but she's there often enough you expect to get something um, but the last time you see her is when she's stripping and then the bar fight breaks out I mean presumably Dalton beats her to death when he's beating everyone to house death right yes <laughs> I, I don't know she wasn't at the house that day, apparently. But for that she reason didn't alone... She didn't any point. He, or she just... She vanished after surgery. I've never looked. I, want, I should check and see if there's a after credits scene. <laughs> Or she's just on the road now. Well, for that reason alone, I'm a little interested in the director's cut. Because it feels like they were setting a couple things up that didn't go anywhere. I can't believe Keith David only had that one line. Like, they wouldn't get him for that. I bet he had something else going on. Yeah. And I do kind of want to see if there were better things buried in there that didn't get shown. So, yes. tell you what. Tell you what. I'm done with Roadhouse for life, but you find the director's cut and it's technically a different movie I will watch that with you at some point uh, oh let's see oh is that a thing what you plot it was a thing is it not no oh I don't know 
Um, I never looked into it. I'm going to now. Gosh, it. Yeah, I don't know if that exists, but if it does, I'll watch it with you. But it, but it does have that feeling throughout the movie where it sort of feels like there must be scenes missing because otherwise this doesn't make sense or this is just a really weird jump. And I do wonder, I mean, because the movie's already like just shy of two hours. So there is sort of the feeling of like, we have to cut this and they cut it back as far as they could and they couldn't go any further. Yeah. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if there was a lot left on the uh, cutting room floor. But, there, you know, I think I might actually prefer it this way. Like, I'd be shocked if you could make this into an actual good movie. And I don't know if I want to even see that happen. I like it as just this really funny, bad movie with a lot of weird charm uh, for how little sense it makes and how little it cares about realism. And just how over the top it is. Uh, I think I might like. I like Sam Elliott in this. I think this is my favorite role of his. And I really like the guitarist. Oh, yeah, the guitarist is really cool. And that. Might be it for me. But at the same time, I don't know if you want to see more of the guitarist, because, like we said, like he's the real. He's a real life uh, musician. I don't think. Like I think if he was in the movie more as an as a character, I don't know if that would play out as well. Well, he's, he's been in some things uh, as the guitarist. Like, he was in... Oh, I guess they just made some documentaries about his band. But the Jeff Healy Band is something I might look into from this movie. But a uh, fun fact I learned... Red Webster, the guy who owns the uh, the mechanic store, his real name is Red West, and he was friends with Elvis, and he's apparently. He's just a much more interesting guy than his character was in this movie, and Red West is a much more movie name than the name he had in this movie, yeah. and I'm interested in him specifically. <laughs> and 
those are the things I got out of this movie. <laughs> but also, you said you hadn't seen Point Break, right? I am not. So that is also Swayze as also sort of a zen badass and I think much better done. So I might, uh, this is a theory, but I might be less impressed by Dalton just because I've already seen a slightly better version of Dalton. I think we should watch that movie together and then you can let me know what you think. But, uh... Yeah, my experience with Roadhouse was growing up just seeing random scenes from it. So it already had sort of an iconic uh, uh, nostalgia sort of built in when I saw it. Because I knew it was sort of a classic, just like in the same way that growing up before I was allowed to see Predator... I could see, uh, I'd see some of the scenes from it, like Arnold covering himself in mud and hiding from the predator. So there were some things that I was like already attuned to that were just like in my imagination beforehand. It's sort of one of those like, what is this movie, or what movie is this from? Oh, now I know, sort of things. And, you know, as you were saying, you would probably have loved this movie when you were 10. Like, this is the kind, like, and I think that's part of the charm of it for me, is because I didn't get to see it until I was much older. But it's like the movie I wanted to see when I was younger. And how bad that is. I find that charming and, and sometimes unsettling. Um, not what I wanted to see, but just where the movie takes it. Because the movie goes in weird places. Um, and not all of them are entertaining. But it is an interesting movie. I'll give it to you. I, um, I think I would have liked it better if it was starring Bruce Lee, who I think they based Dalton on as much as they could. Mm. And I think I would have liked it better if it was a legit western, so that some of the weird, a, or not asynchronous, anachronistic things that the town does and the complete surreal isolation of the town and stuff would have made more sense. But the kind of that in Tombstone, which I also think you should see, although it lacks Swayze, but it does have Sam Elliott. Uh, truth be told, I've never really been a Swayze fan. This is, pr- 
probably the only movie with him in it that I would count among like my favorite movies. That's because you haven't seen Point Break. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I didn't hate it. I didn't like it as much as you. But I think I've seen a lot more sort of 80s cheese than you, and I might. Yeah, I think that's see probably true. I mean, because. Like, I might be less impressed by tropes that I've seen before. Yeah. If that makes any sense. Well, I mean, you've introduced me to. Uh, Big Trouble Little China, obviously, and then also The Thing, which The Thing is a very different kind of movie, but it's also that 80s style that's very out there and weird. Different kind of weird, but... So yeah, you definitely, like, have seen a lot more of that era's what that era has to offer. Yeah, and I expect I've also seen a lot more sort of just badass dudes being badass for the purpose of being badass. Sort of like westerns and biker movies and stuff, maybe? Um... At least in those genres, probably. I haven't seen that many biker movies or westerns, but I did grow up on the badass, like, I grew up watching the Schwarzenegger movies, mostly the Schwarzenegger movies, Predator, Commando, True Lies. Terminator, obviously. Schwarzenegger used to play like what I think of as badass. That's like a way of carrying yourself in the sort of attitude. Like, Schwarzenegger plays a really effective action hero. Uh, yeah. Like, it depends Sam Elliott's badass, you know. I don't know, for me. Yeah, I mean. It's a different kind of charisma, too, because Sam Elliott is not necessarily, like, dropping those one-liners. Um, he's mostly just effortlessly cool. Yeah, he's everyone's coolest uncle, though. Yeah. Which is like... Or... Your mom's new boyfriend that you hope winds up being your stepdad. Sort of <laughs> but yeah, those are uh, I. I would rate this movie pretty low on a ten point scale, but I don't want that to be mistaken for recommendation not to see it. It's a weird in-between where, like, this is not a good movie. I do not recommend this movie. I do think you should see this movie if you haven't seen it. Like, it's a, it's a weird in-between. Yeah, it's a, well, it depends on how you rate the movie. 
if you're rating it in terms of like how good of a movie it is, it's pretty low. But if you're rating it in terms of entertainment, uh, that's a difficult one just because it varies from person to person. Like not everybody gets a kick out of so bad it's good. Yeah, I think it got... It started out so bad it was good for me, and by the end it just completely lost me. Two hours of that weight on you. Oh, two hours of weight on me and around the monster truck scene where it goes completely off, like even the rules established for itself. I was just not very invested because I no longer knew what was up and what was down, you know? I think that was the point, like, or for me, like, it was the opposite effect. Like, I, I uh, was even more in because it just made even less sense. Well, that's fair. But... That's fair, that's why there's two of us. Each their own when you're looking for a, uh, a movie that's so bad, uh, it's good. Well, yeah, that's, that's why I get two people on this instead of just me ranting about why everything is terrible for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> That's my, uh, my instinct. But yeah, that's Roadhouse, 1989. Starring Sam Elliott, Patrick Swayze, Kelly Lynch, Ben Gazzara. Directed by Rowdy Harrington. Written by David Lee Henry and someone else who probably spent as much time writing the screenplay but didn't write the story so I give all the credit to David Lee Henry who wrote both. Uh, final thoughts? That's it. If you want to see a really bad movie, don't. <laughs> <laughs> You want to see a really bad movie done? <laughs> I don't know if you want to see something that's just a fucking hot mess. Uh, it's just a very entertaining garbage fire uh, for two hours. It's a it's a good way to spend your day. Uh, and I say if you have trouble fathoming uh, Sam Elliott as a sex symbol? Watch Roadhouse. <laughs> Alright. Well, this has been Matinee Manatees uh, audience and uh uh I love you. <laughs>
Brought to you by our patrons at patreon.com slash matinee manatees. If you like what you've heard and like to hear more, consider becoming a patron. Donations start at just $1 a month, and half of all profits after hosting costs go towards actual manatee habitat preservation. You can listen to our podcast on iTunes, the Stitcher app, or on YouTube. Our music was composed by Kevin McLeod. You can find this track and hundreds of others on his website in Thanks for listening.